You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We've been going through um, the book of Mark. We're ready to conclude chapter 12 today. And all the people said, Yay! Another chapter under our belt. Have you ever watched people? Anybody here a people watcher? You go to the mall, you find a nice place and you just watch. Especially if there's, if there's something that's unique. I, I like those uh, TV surprise spoofs where they've got everything set up and some uh, unsuspecting person walks by and something happens. I've seen one where the guy is camouflaged and he's completely a part of whatever the backdrop is. And as they walk by, he steps out and just watch the expressions on their face. Uh, Sometimes I can get caught in those little feeds and and just watch those over and over and over as they make me laugh. Uh, There's something amazing about watching people. But when you're watching people, every now and then you see someone who's moving in a truly wonderful, love, loving way, uh, almost redemptive. And, and when you catch that, it's like, oh, that's so cool. So that kind of sets us up for where we are today in, in our passage. When Jesus came into the temple after the, his triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, he then judged and condemned those who were buying and selling animal sacrifices. And he ends today with the commendation of a precious widow who puts all that she has in the treasury. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth But she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. Let's pray. Lord, we stand under the authority of your spirit and your word. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive everything that you're saying to the church today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the last public incident that Mark records in the life of Jesus before the cross. Wow. There's something about that which is at the end that seems to be rather significant. So I don't want us to to miss this. We've all had this in our Sunday school lessons as kids. If you were raised in the church and you heard about the, the widow's mite, her two mites that she put in, Here we find that Jesus, as he's been teaching throughout the temple courts, he's now ready to finish his public, quote, ministry. 
and he sits and he watches. Jesus is watching people at a strategic place, at the place where the offerings were offered. Now, in the temple, there were 13 of these little places that you could put, and some of them were for specific purposes. They believed that this one here, because of the amount that the, that the widow put in, was probably a free will offering, offering box. Now, if you can imagine, if, you, if you're there at the time of Jesus, the offering treasuries were like these big cones. I like to think of it as maybe a French horn or a tuba, one of those big brass things, you know, where it has the huge thing. And now just picture that and you turn it upside down and it's the place where you put your money into your offerings at the temple. Rather interesting. A little in contrast to the little green box that we have back on the table back there. But as Jesus is, is there and as he's watching, it, it's a unique opportunity for him to observe how human beings give in, in the religious structure of the temple. So the place where the offerings were put, Jesus sat down and he watched. He watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now he, he first begins noticing how the rich people put their money in. And how do you know that they're rich? I don't know, H have you ever, as a kid, had an opportunity to get some money. You could have one paper dollar bill or four quarters or 10 dimes or 20 nickels or 100 pennies. As a kid, I'd always go for the 100 pennies. And then as I would put it in, Especially, you know, at the, <laughs> if you're at the Children's Museum and they've got that little place where you put your coins and it goes around and around and around in the funnel, I could be there all day just playing with my pennies. Boom, boom, boom. But there's something about having a lot that you can throw it in. It makes more noise. And that's how Jesus was observing how the rich were giving. They were giving in such a way as that people could notice that, wow, did you see how much Henry just put in? It was a lot. How do you know? The clanging of the cymbal, of the horn, all the noise that was made as it went in. It's like, oh. So Jesus is observing this, and then here comes this poor widow. She's got two of the smallest currency the coin that has the least amount of value. She's got two of them. I think it's interesting that she has two of them. What would we do if we had two? Put in one. Why? Well, then we won't be completely broke. <laughs> but not her, she puts both of them in. 
She puts them both in, the smallest. And Jesus is so impressed. It catches his attention, and he calls his disciples to him. Now, he's been teaching, and he's sitting down. I don't think they're too far away from him, but he gathers them. I call it a holy huddle with Jesus. And so the, the disciples come, and he wants to make sure that they see this, that they understand the significance of what's just taken place. And so as Jesus gathers them together, he begins with the rabbinic way in which the rabbi would say, what I'm about to tell you is extremely important. This is important. I tell you the truth. King James, verily, verily, I say unto thee. Mm -hmm. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Hmm. They've just observed rich people putting in offerings. Now Jesus says this two mites, this two little coins was more than everybody else. So obviously he's not speaking in the analytical sense that her two little fraction of a penny was more than all the others had put in. But he's pointing out to something else. He's making a, an observation. They gave out of their wealth. They were wealthy and they put the money in and when they left, guess what? They were still wealthy. They were still wealthy. She, out of her poverty, puts her two mites in. And it goes on. She put in everything. She's all in. She put everything in to the treasury. All that she had to live on. Hmm. Some have said that she gave everything that she had left. Possibly this could be in the afternoon. She'd lived most of the day. She's taken everything else that she has and she gives it in the offering. Wow. Two coins, she doesn't keep one. So does it trigger anything? Ananias and Sapphira? You know, it shows, it shows me that how we are attached to our money kind of reveals what's going on in our heart. And I think that's why when, when Jesus is always talking about money, he's talking about it because he knows how we put value on it and where that resource lies within our heart. So in, in the... Acts of the Apostles, we, we see that Ananias and Sapphira go and sell their lands and they present it to the Apostles following Barnabas' example and they put it at the Apostles' feet to distribute. And they say that this is everything. This is all that they have. Now we know that's not true. They held back. So you got to be careful when it's money and Jesus, money and God the Father, money and the Holy Spirit. You got to be careful with how you're portraying your heart. And so as as they come, 
And so Peter makes an inquiry. Is this the price that you got from the sale of the land? Yes. Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? It's not an issue of lying to the church. It's an issue of how you're lying to God. I can't tell you exactly why, but somehow God takes how we present our money in our relationship to him. He takes that very seriously. Why? Because I think in heaven there's a shortage right now and he needs a little extra income to, to get heaven to meet budget this week. No, he doesn't need it. But he knows that it's one of the things that will reveal the condition of our heart more than anything else. It's like, wow. We can do all the religious gymnastics, we can do all the performance, we can do all the different lip services about our devotion and our love for God, but when you say you love God, I had one pastor says, you, you really love the Lord? Let me see your checkbook. You know, checkbooks kind of reveal where your heart is. It's like, wow. Now, obviously, we have some cultural differences because when we receive an offering here, and if you want to give something here, there's no big bucket to give in. And there's no way for you to make a big portrayal of how much you're giving. Matter of fact, you get on your, your cell phone and you, and you click a button, nobody knows what you gave. Or you drop a check in, or you get it in an envelope, you put it in the thing. There's all sorts of things. And I think that's part of the, of the, the way in which we don't let the right hand see what the left hand's doing. There's, there's something about hiddenness and secrecy in our expression of our love from our heart to the Lord that's really between him and, and you. It's the only ones, you and the Lord. Now in our culture, if you want a tax write-off at the end of the year, we've gotta have an, an accounting and we send out a letter and we say thank you for giving and we say this year this is how much you gave and boom. And we have a very responsible man that does that for this community and he's homesick today and that's Bob Combs. Someone who's trustworthy. Someone that we trust with the sensitivity of the amounts that each one gives. And there's a real sacredness to that. So she gave everything that she had. Old Testament. We talked, this is the last incident in the Gospel of Mark of Jesus' public ministry. In the Old Testament, the last prophet that leaves the word of the Lord to the people, for which then we go 400 years before John the Baptist arrives on the scene, before there's another prophetic voice expressing the heart of the Father. Let me start at the right spot. I've got it here. Okay, I thought that's where I was gonna start. Malachi chapter three, verse six. I, the Lord, do not change. 
O descendants of Jacob, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. This is the cry of the prophetic heart of the prophet, expressing God's heart for his people to come back to him. So it's an invitation for relationship. It's an invitation for closeness. <laughs> but you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Do you notice that it's not because he needs it? He's concerned for us. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we are called the arrogant, but now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. Then those who fear the Lord will talk with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. And a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. That's the last prophetic word in the Old Testament. And there had become a curse upon God's chosen people as a nation because they were no longer giving as an expression of their love and devotion to him. Now, whenever I look at a passage of scripture like this and it's talking about money and offering, I know that there are people who are extremely sensitive and they're already getting beat up by the devil because they are not given enough. And they're thinking, oh, I gotta give more. You know who I hear? The ones who say they gotta give more? It's the ones who have the least. The ones who have the least, they're constantly concerned. I, I need to give more. I, I always find that interesting. 
but it seems to parallel what Jesus is experiencing here in the temple. And then there's the folks that are here that's saying, all the church wants is my money. Good night. And this is the Sunday I had to choose to come. <laughs> I, sh I should have been here when we were talking about those other things. And, and we're here, we're talking about offering. Then there's those that are just saying, well, you know, the scripture gets really extreme on some things, you know? It's how Jewish rabbis would teach. They would use hyperbole and they would use extremes and, and they would go, and, and so this isn't really about giving everything. This is just a metaphor. Yeah. You know, whenever we talk about the scripture and we let the scripture speak for itself, it's sobering for every one of us in the room. It's sobering for me. It's like, wow, giving, tithing, offerings. And what I wanna commend you to do today is to talk with your household. Talk, if you're, if you're married, talk to your spouse. Are we, are we happy with how we're giving to the Lord? How we're expressing our love and devotion to the Lord? Is there some things that we need to revisit? Is the Holy Spirit leading us to do something else? I know Bill Johnson's one of my, my, my favorite men in the faith. And I know that uh, he and Benny, when Benny was alive, you know, they started at 20%. As just, they doubled their tithe at, at 20%. And then they went on. I, I, I just throw that out there, just to say, you know, some of, some of us, we, we don't even think outside the box. You know, we, we were raised in the church, and you know, I remember as a pastor doing a, a, a series for the children, called the children's sermon and thing, and I gave them all uh, 10 pennies. And then we took an offering, and they were all supposed to put in one penny to teach them that tithing is one-tenth. And so they would do that. And some of us are, are still there. Tithing is one-tenth. Tony Campolo was so hysterical when he, when, uh, if you don't know Tony, he's, he's an Italian preacher and quite an evangelist. And he would get up and he would say, one-tenth to Jesus, I surrender. One-tenth to Jesus, I freely give. You know? And he would, no, it's all to Jesus, I surrender. And it was like... Sometimes we get so technical. I've always had people in my churches that would give, you know, $22.17 because that represented their tithe for this week. You know, they get it down to the penny. Last thing they want to do is fall under the curse of the Old Testament of seeing, ah, we haven't tithed. You know, it's, and I, I, I've got those that say, I would be afraid not to tithe. If I don't tithe, the refrigerator will blow up and the furnace will go out and the car will need repairs, you know. And, you know, there is a, a place where that comes in because Jesus is talking, when, when we honor him with our wealth, with the first fruits that, that we receive, in the Old Testament passage of Malachi, he says, your vines won't cast their fruit and it'll spoil on the ground. You know, your crops will, will bring in a full harvest.
You know, and it's like, and, and here's the thing. I never understood this, but in the kingdom of God, nine is always greater than 10. Don't, don't, doesn't make sense. My math teacher won't give me an A on that, but it's always true. It's always true. When we honor the Lord with what he has given to us, it's amazing how we position ourselves to receive blessing. He says, test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing that is so great that you can't contain it. Generosity is definitely the way of the kingdom. And every now and then I have us do an offering declaration on generosity because generosity is not the way of the world. Generosity is the way in God's kingdom. It's how God's people, they're generous. And finding how you express generosity. It's not just with our finances, but it's with our heart and the things that our heart draws us to, we are generous toward. We'll give the time, the effort, the energy. This is the word of the Lord. Don't want anybody to sit under a cloud of condemnation and guilt. I repented for that last week. If you weren't here, watch the video. We don't want anybody living under condemnation. But at the same time, there is true conviction that comes from the Spirit of God that moves in our heart that says, you know, we gotta take our financial stewardship in the kingdom serious, serious. Don't put on airs, don't grandstand, be hidden in your giving, let it be an expression of your love and devotion to the Lord. And all the people said, So here we have this poor widow and her sacrificial giving, the last public incident in Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of Mark. And it's the foreshadowing of the sacrificial life that Jesus is about to give upon the cross. And so she sets the stage to see what sacrifice looks like as Jesus lays down everything. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.